State Sycamores are tournament champions. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, and Missouri State is Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. Northern Iowa back in the NCAA tournament. Wichita State Shockers, winners of the Missouri Valley Conference. Shane Dennis is our Valley Baseball Insider on the Rawlings DC Baseball First Pitch, and it's a, a pleasure and an honor to have Shane here on the Inside the Valley Podcast to talk a little Valley Baseball. Shane, what's uh, what's new with you? Just uh, finally glad to get into the league and to see these teams up close and personal. Um, I thought the, the pre-conference schedule from these guys was really interesting. It looked like it was pretty top-heavy as far as Dallas Baptist and Missouri State living up to the uh, the preseason hype. And then everybody else was kind of jumbled together with some surprises. You know, Southern Illinois started off very well. Indiana State the same. I know we'll talk about them in a second. But uh, now that the Valley uh, season is here, it would be interesting to see how things shake, shake out and who ends up where. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, Indiana State, uh, Ryan Keefaber, the pitcher of the week, um, playing very, very well and, and uh, not getting a lot of attention about it. But let's start with him. Um, obviously, a great performance from him. What are you seeing out of him and, and the Sycamores in general? Well, he's an underrated guy anyway, I think. I don't know that he's ever really, truly gotten his due. He was a freshman All-American uh, by a couple of publications as a closer. He had 11 saves. Uh, and he is just a quintessential, quintessential versatile left-hander that can get you out and send you back to the dugout with a bunch of comfortable at-bats. You know, you're, you're 0 for 4. Before you know it, the game's over, and you're wondering what happened. He's got a good three-pitch mix, and now that he's in the starting rotation, he gets to kind of show it all off and pitch really well against Southern Illinois and getting the, the Valley Pitcher of the Week honor. But he, he's a really under-the-radar guy and kind of an under-appreciated guy. I know Mitch Hanna's, uh certainly doesn't, and – He's a big reason why Indiana State's won 20 games already. Yeah, sticking with the uh, the pitching, something you know uh, well about just as good as anybody, winning uh, a pitcher of the year in the Valley. Uh, going to Bradley, Cameron Rogner also had a, a great performance against Missouri State, obviously getting the uh, the knot there against the Bears. Uh, it's always tough for you going against that offense, but when you can get that kind of performance, it's, it's, it's a quality performance if you're going up against Missouri State and able to shut them down like that. Well, when I saw what he did against Missouri State, only allowing a solo home run, beating him 2-1, to one, kind of reminded me of last year. Uh, if you recall, he pitched in Game 3 of the Valley Tournament against Dallas Baptist and went eight strong in that one. Uh, they end up kind of short-circuiting a high-powered Dallas Baptist offense, but Cameron Regner was the reason why. Uh, Fifth-year senior, big left-hander, uh, just has absolutely been – you talk about versatility a little bit. He was a reliever his first couple of years, kind of bounced back and forth. But but now he's obviously in his last go-around taking a big leadership role. And that was a huge win that Bradley got uh, over Missouri State in a series that ended up just getting split because of the weather one game apiece. But for him to hold the Bears down like he did was certainly commendable and a great job by Cameron Regner on it. And he picked a bad week to, to pitch great because <laughs> Ryan Keith was just a little better. Yeah. Uh, we look at the standings, Dallas Baptist 2-0, Indiana State 2-1, Evansville 2-1. We'll jump to them in a second, but uh, we're going to start seeing things, uh, sort of seeing the separation as we play more conference games, and we'll talk more about the conference schedule for this weekend as well. Uh, but Evansville, it's been a while since they've uh, won two out of three against uh, Wichita State, but they had the home series, and they actually broadcast uh, 
couple of those games on the Valor on ESPN3, which is fantastic to see. But uh, the Purple Ace is not getting a whole lot of attention, but for them to get two out of three against Wichita State, they've got to be happy with. Yeah, and I kept noticing, even leading up to that series, the power numbers that they were putting up under Wes Carroll. And once you see them in person, you understand why they have a good reputation this year of hitting. They have a ton of quality left-hand bats in that lineup. you got Eric McKibben, uh, Boomer Sinek come back from injuries, now catching for them, and also Josh Jaywook is back. All those guys are left-handed swingers. And then you add the former Missouri State guy, Trey Hare, who's hitting over 400. And then the right-handed bat in the middle of that lineup that really impresses me is a guy that's been there for a long time, and that's Jonathan Ramon. He's got a ton of power. He had two long home runs against Wichita State and winning those that series two out of three. And that that lineup is really balanced. The thing I will be really interested to find out moving forward, though, is how that pitching staff holds up now that it looks like everybody's going to have to move up a spot when Connor Strain has gone down with injury. Two freshmen were in that starting rotation this past weekend against Wichita State, Brandon Gomer and Alex Wigand, and they both pitched better than their previous numbers would suggest. The real question is, can they continue to do that? They they can hit, no question, but can the pressure that's put on the Saturday and Sunday guys, a couple of freshmen, can they handle that? And if they can, Evansville certainly can make noise in the league. How much of a difference is that, you know, you find separation when you see teams when they go from the, the Friday night guy, the Saturday guy. Is is that a huge, huge difference maker for teams you're trying to figure out your pitching staff, the the trying to maintain three quality guys that can get you through the weekend, and especially when you get to conference play? I don't think it's quite as big from Friday to Saturday as it is from Saturday to Sunday. Um, if you have a pitching staff that's a little short, I think that's where it'll show up. Everybody's got a good Friday guy, um, and a lot of people have a quality Saturday guy. We've seen it year after year from, for example, Missouri State, a really solid starting rotation on the weekends. But where some teams fall off, and this is where some teams struggle in the Valley Tournament, where you've got to play more than two games in consecutive days, is that final guy, that final piece. Can you find a Sunday guy that can outlast the other team's Sunday guy and put you in a position to either win a series, maybe sweep a series? Uh, to me, that's the, that's the biggest departure between great teams and good teams and the difference between good teams and average teams is what can you give us the back end of the weekend rotation and how much of the bullpen do we have left to cover it up? Before I hop to uh, the upcoming weekend series for you and get your thoughts on those, I want to be sure to mention the midweek uh, this week in the Valley. Missouri State with a huge win, 16-1 at home against Mizzou. And uh, Dallas Baptist also knocking off TCU. TCU ranked uh, size number five in polls, uh, winning 9-1. to Your thoughts on the Bears and uh, the Patriots, what they did midweek? Yeah, it seemed like on Tuesday night they both went off at right about the same time. DBU had a huge inning down in Fort Worth to break open a close game, and, and uh, Missouri State pretty much dominated from start to finish, but they had a big inning about the time DBU was breaking out. I can't imagine how how good that feels for Missouri State fans and the coaching staff and Keith Gutton just absolutely putting a whipping on a team from the SEC that's in your own state. And likewise, for Dallas Baptist, uh, I don't know that they have to take a back seat to anybody in the state of Texas anymore, and they went down to TCU and put a whipping on a really good and very likely 
um, regional host type of team in TCU. A lot of teams, a lot of people rather, think that TCU is going to end up in Omaha. So a feather in the cap for Missouri State and Dallas Baptist on the exact same night. Uh, coming up this weekend, Illinois State, Indiana State, Bradley and Evansville, Southern Illinois and Dallas Baptist and uh, Missouri State will be at Wichita State. The Shockers will actually be producing a couple of those games of that series for the Valley on ESPN3. Uh, anything stand out to you? And we look forward to these conference matchups this coming weekend. Well, I think Wichita State most certainly has its back against the wall. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. After they won Friday against Evansville in a pretty exciting game, uh, they kind of fell flat on Saturday and Sunday. And then Missouri State, who's certainly not going to feel sorry for them, is going to come into town. And they'll be obviously riding high off of that win against Missouri, but also smarting a little bit and having been beaten by Bradley the weekend before. So there'll be quite a bit of pressure on Wichita State. I guess the good thing is they'll have it at home. Uh, and I, most of their perceived toughest games in the Valley, the schedule has worked out where Wichita State will have them at home. Um, Southern Illinois got a little bouncing back to do, to do, I think, as well. They had a really good pre-conference. They got their confidence up. A lot of those young guys that took their lumps last year uh, tasted some success. Uh, I know they had a couple of wins against in-state rival Illinois. And uh, But the, the, their work will be cut out for them and trying to bounce back after getting beat two out of three from Indiana State. So we'll see if, if uh, Ken Henderson has his boys ready this weekend. Those will be the two, two matchups I'll be looking forward to the most probably. Shane Dennis, my co-host, Rawlings, NBC Baseball First Pitch. We've got to do a new episode this coming week, sir. You up for that? Looking forward to it. All right, Shane. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Be there for every crack of the bat, game-saving catch, final out, and the crowning of a champion. Don't miss the 2016 Missouri Valley Conference Baseball Championship, May 25th through 28th at Bob Warren Field in Terre Haute, Indiana. Presented by Via Media and the Terre Haute Tribune Star. For tickets, call 812-237-3737, 812-237-3737, or gosycamores.com. The Missouri State Lady Bears are coming off uh, reaching the NCAA tournament, winning their 10th Missouri Valley Conference uh, tournament title in 2016. The Lady Bears, of course, uh, have a longstanding uh, tradition and history in Springfield with, uh, with women's basketball. And here to talk more about their season and uh, what could be in store for the future of the Missouri State Lady Bears is the radio voice for Missouri State, uh, Tom Ladd. Tom, how many years have you been calling uh, Lady Bears basketball down there? Derek, I started uh, in 95, so um, with the exception of uh, a couple of years in there, uh, actually the Nyla Millison years where my buddy uh, Rob Evans had the call, I've been on since 95, so it's been uh, 15 years now that uh, that I've done the games for Missouri State. And you had the, uh, the honor of seeing some of the more historic moments for that program, uh, the Final Four and 2001 because you just barely missed that final four in 92 but uh saw the jackie styles years and just a incredible run great great support they've always had down there and this year it, it seems like uh kelly harper's got the program trending upward again yeah she did uh you know her third season in springfield and um you know she really she really made some inroads this year you know turning it around uh 
changing changing the culture a little bit. You know, uh, they became a, a fairly good defensive team this year, and that was some some veteran players that came back, and you know, obviously the uh, the great uh, following that the Lady Bear fans have had uh, starting to increase in in those numbers as well turned out to be a 24 and 10 season you know peaked at the right time right at the end of the season when they needed to now they didn't win the regular season this year very uh consistent solid northern iowa uh, team won the uh, regular season but the lady bears peaked at the right time and and that's what it's all about it's when you're playing your best basketball um in the valley and these days with you know with it being kind of a one bid team anymore uh, or one bid league uh, you know you have to be playing your best basketball at the end of the season absolutely you mentioned that they won uh, going down the stretch uh, defeated Wichita State Indiana State Illinois State all in Springfield and then went on to win the three straight in the tournament before bowing out in the NCAA tournament to Texas A&M so winning at the right time obviously matters a lot um, some of the players of course there were three seniors on the team that are uh, going out uh, let's start with them. Uh, of course, Kenzie Williams has meant so much to their program. Uh, Hillary Quaddle, a senior, and this year's Jackie Styles player. It's got to be interesting to think about that. Tiana Snow, the Jackie Styles player, wins the honor that's named after the the uh, Missouri State Lady Bear great and, and NBC Hall of Famer. Uh, how do you put into words what those three players have meant to the program in their uh, time in Springfield? You know what it. It's always tough, in, in my opinion, when when there's a coaching change and you've got players that were recruited and brought in by one coach and then finished their career with another coach. And the big thing there, the big question mark is, how do they respond? How do they respond to the next coaching staff? And, and I think uh, a lot of credit goes to those three seniors for buying in to what Kelly Harper and her staff – um, offered and, and what they tried to implement. That was a big thing. And, and I know Coach Harper had talked about that, you know, that once they really started to buy in, and you could see that occurring late last year, they won 10 straight games at the end of the season and ended up playing in the uh, Valley uh, Conference Tournament Championship against a very good Wichita State team. Um, they were playing their best basketball. They bought into the system. You know, the defense was there. Again, like this year, they, they were playing better defense and relied on the veterans last year as they did this year. This year, you know, it, it was a little different. They had, you know, a couple injuries, um, you know, some concussion issues early in the season, you know. So they had some things they had to deal with during the year. A player had left early in the season they were counting on. So they had to go through that and uh, and turn things around from that, but they ended the season on a great note. And the three seniors, I, I give all the credit to uh, Tiana Snow, who put together just a fantastic year. Kinsey Williams, you know, has the, the some career numbers to brag about. And then Hillary Quaddle, I've, I've always called her kind of the ultimate role player. She had scored just as many uh, points as she did rebounds in her career, just over – 600 and both and really put it together the last two years becoming that that uh, force in the middle for Kelly Harper's offense and defense but you know the the three of them bought into the system um, and and were great leaders for this team and at the end of the season last year they only had one senior last year so 
um, a couple of years, uh, great leadership, and then the play on the court speaks for itself with their uh, career numbers as they'll go down as two. And uh, really, the one of the best classes probably in Lady Bear history when you look at it, um, three players. Uh, there's only been one class in Lady Bear history that had three players to get over 500 rebounds. You know, the, the points that they scored, the wins here the last couple of years, uh, it'll go down as, as a special class and a very storied history of uh, Lady Bear basketball. Now, so you see a lot of the team more, probably the most of anybody besides you know, the players and coaches themselves being at every game. Uh, who's set up to uh, sort of lead this team now with those three being gone? Uh, look at the box score. Uh, Liza Fruitt uh, had 11 points a game, and Lexi Hughes had uh, 6.3 points a game. One of those two set to take over is you think being the, the on-court leader and, and sort of leading the way? or And who do you know about uh, some of the newcomers coming into the program as well? Sure. The, uh, and I'll tell you this, I would mentioned uh, during the awards ceremony, it kind of tweeted it out, Liza Fluent, um, you know, she was on the all-freshman team last year, mm-hmm. and yep. um, she was on the academic squad this year, and then made the all-tournament team this year, and I kind of predicted during that award ceremony when T and, and Kinsey were named first team that, you know, some some big awards are coming her way in the future, and she gets on the all-tournament team, which, you know, is, is a start for her, but I think she's going to have a breakout season next year, uh, and she's put together good numbers already. She scored over 600 points, and, you know, playing behind Tiana and Kinsey, the last couple of years, she's averaged over 10 points a game both seasons, but she's the player that, that really, I think, could break out next year. Lexi, it's just a matter of giving her more minutes on the court. That's a pretty good one-two combination next year. And then they'll have the, the two, and I think key players when it comes to uh, defense um, and the players that had bought in and, and really, you know, kind of turned it around from a defensive standpoint – um, a couple of juniors to be next year, Audrey Holt, and then Aubrey Buckley, who missed a lot of this year, but she had started all of last year as a freshman and then started the, the beginning of this year, and she was our best defensive player, and that's at any position, you know, and that says a lot when you got uh, Tiana Snow, the defensive player of the year, but if you looked at it and just kind of looked at what Aubrey had, had done defensively against some of the big post players that we have played early in the season, you know, arguably she could have been the uh, the best defensive player on the squad before her hip injury sidelined her after 11 games. So you got Holt and Buckley back both uh, forwards next year. You got the Fruent and uh, Lexi Hughes at guards and Daniel Gibson, who jumped into the starting role at point guard and uh, shared that role with Tiana Snow was a solid performer, better probably defensively, but didn't hurt you offensively. She had a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio as a freshman, which says a lot about her. I think she can score more. Didn't have as many opportunities this year, but she will in the future. And then you're going to add some uh, players next year. One is about to sign a point guard from Oklahoma. Um, Can't mention her, but uh, they do have three that have signed. Uh, six two, uh, kind of three player out of Stoutland, Missouri, and then a uh, just to go along with the size in the uh, valley. When you look at uh, Taylor Manuel at uh, at Loyola and some bigger post players, Emily Gartner, 
is a 6'4", um, big-bodied post player out of Kansas, and then a very good athlete out of Russellville, Arkansas, and a niece of a former Lady Bear great, Jesse McVeigh. Her name is uh, Shamika Ely, um, 6'1", post. So they got some good talent coming in next year to go along with what's coming back. And then, again, there's a player that's about to sign that has an appoint guard, and, and that's going to kind of shore up that position along with uh, Danielle Gitson. So, you know, defense will have to be the name of the game next year, and they hope that they can get some, some offense out of what's coming back to go along with the, the post players defensively and Aubrey and Audrey and then Liza Fruent and Lexi Hughes. You know, I, I think that there, there's some, uh, some hope for next year that they have a, a good season and, uh, and the future bodes well. Before I let you go, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, the rest of the league, how you think that shakes out. Uh, not not predicting, obviously. It's it's way, way too early. I'm not a huge fan of doing the the early preseason predictions for another year. But uh, knowing that Drake's got pretty much a full squad coming back next year and what, the, what else is returning in the league, uh, what, do you, what do you think about the future of the Valley, just generally speaking? Well, number one, I, and, and you, you've mentioned this before, and I know the – the Valley uh, administration, they always talk about the, the great coaches that are in the Valley right now. And, and I love this, uh, the current um, addition of coaches. I know we have a, a new one at Bradley coming in, a, an alumnus of Bradley um, who was at SIU. Um, that's going to be fun to, to see how that turns. Um, you know, uh, SIU will have some talent back, obviously Loyola, with Manuel coming back and um, the great talent they have. Drake's got everybody back, plus they add uh, Jonas from uh, a season ago. Northern Iowa with uh, Weekly uh, back next year. You know that uh, that Wichita State's going to return to uh, greatness. Uh, they just play great defense, and that whole squad returns. So um, I, I think basketball is going to be uh, very good in the Valley women's basketball next year. The big key, as it always is, you know, knocking off some teams in the preseason, the pre-conference sure. uh, season, that's that's always been the big key. Back in the, the days when they were able to get two teams into the uh, conference tournament, it was normal that the, the Valley teams would knock off, a, you know, a uh, nationally ranked team or two during the season. The tough thing is – it's so tough to schedule yeah. and, and to get these nationally ranked teams to come into your place. They play a lot of their games at home, so you have to go on the road and beat one of those teams on their home floor, and that is extremely difficult. But uh, that's the key. Win a couple of those games, you know, have a good non-conference schedule, and then finish in the top three or four at least in the in the Valley. And uh, I think the the – conference can turn back to where we can get multiple entries into the NCAA tournament again. Tom, I always appreciate the time, but it's always good to talk to you and uh, hopefully I'll run into you next time. And next time I'm in Springfield. Sounds good, Derek, as always, I appreciate it and uh, look forward. I, I always hate this time of year. We got to wait now so many months before <laughs> basketball starts, but yeah. it is fun. You know, you, you know, able to do a few of the other sports, uh, baseball, the, the Bears here at Missouri State are playing real well, nationally ranked, uh, uh, get to see some softball and some other teams coming in. So the uh, spring season is fun, but, boy, it's tough to, 
to wait this long before basketball season starts again. So it's a good time to get in a vacation or something like that. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Tom, I appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, Derek. Thank you. Be there for every race, sprint to the finish, and the crowning of a champion. Don't miss the 2016 Missouri Valley Conference Outdoor Championship, May 13th through 15th at Gibson Track and Field in Terre Haute, Indiana, presented by the Terre Haute Tribune Star and Via Media. For tickets, call 812-237-3737, 812-237-3737, or visit GoSycamores.com. Two-time defending champion Wichita State is favored to win the 2016 Missouri Valley Conference Women's Golf Championship, according to the pre-championship poll of league coaches. Last year's runner-up Missouri State, Bradley, and Southern Illinois also figure to be among the leading contenders at this year's championship, which will be played at Harborside International Golf Center in Chicago, Illinois, April 17th through the 19th. Loyola will host a 54-hole tournament whose champion advances to the NCAA Regionals. Favorite Wichita State enters the tournament as the league's top-rated team in the Golf Stat team head-to-head team ratings. Missouri State is second in those same ratings, and NBC teams have combined for nine team championships this year, including two each by Bradley, Southern Illinois, and Missouri State. Indiana State, Drake, and Evansville also claimed a team trophy in 2015-16. Bradley's Danielle Limick led the Valley in stroke average during the regular season, clocking in at 74.31 through 29 rounds with one win. Stein Pedersen of Missouri State carded the next best stroke average during the regular season at 74.87 through 30 rounds, just edging out Illinois State's Kylie Walsh, and notably 12 different golfers have won medalist honors at tournaments this year. Evansville's Kayla Catterhenry won medalist honors in four of her 10 tournaments, tops in the Valley. The 10 teams will have practice rounds on Saturday and play 18 holes on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Fans are invited to attend the event free of charge. Be there for every crack of the bat. Game-saving catch. Final out. And the crowning of a champion. Don't miss the 2016 Missouri Valley Conference Softball Championship, May 12th through 14th at Dr. Charlotte West Stadium in Carbondale, Illinois. Presented by River Radio. For tickets, call 618-453-2000. 618-453-2000. Or visit siusalukis.com.